Thanks so much for tuning in to the Mooney Ponds Baptist Church Podcast. Here we upload our weekly teachings that happen every Sunday at our 10 a.m. service. If we can help you in any way, feel free to reach out to us and check out our website at mpbc.org.au. Today's reading comes from Mark 4, 35 to 41. That day when evening came, he said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was, in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Storms are inevitable. Uh, Worldwide, it's estimated that there are 16 million thunderstorms each year. And uh, actually at any given moment, Around the world, there are actually about 2,000 thunderstorms in progress. A couple of weeks ago, uh, I watched some video footage on the internet of a a very powerful storm in the United States called a derecho, uh, which is, it was actually occurred in Iowa. And uh, a derecho is a fast moving storm. And it has very powerful winds and the winds actually move in a very straight line and uh, in Iowa, the derecho blew at more than 160 kilometres an hour, and it uh, carved a 60-kilometre-wide path through the state. Everything in its path was impacted. It flattened soya uh, crops and corn crops on about 14 million acres of farmland. It destroyed banks, churches, people's homes. Uh, and one video clip that I actually saw, uh, someone actually uh, filmed a tree falling down in the front of their yard onto their own house while they're actually inside their own house, which would have been completely terrifying. Storms can be frightening and also devastating, and they can often catch us at unexpected moments, which is what happened uh, on Thursday here in Melbourne uh, with the storm that ripped through our city, uh, killing actually three people uh, in the process. In our reading today, Jesus and his disciples encountered an an unexpected and powerful storm as they travelled from one side of the Sea of Galilee to the other. After a time of teaching about the kingdom of God, Jesus told his disciples that he actually wanted to go to the other side of the lake to continue on with some ministry there. And so they arranged for a boat and then they began to make their way across to the other side. But while crossing the lake... They encountered a a storm, a large storm, large enough for the waves actually to break over the bow of the boat and for for the boat to almost be swamped with water. The Sea of Galilee is not very big. Uh, It's called a sea, but in actual reality, it's actually a freshwater lake. Uh, And uh, you can actually see easily from one side of it to the other. It's only about 13 kilometres wide and about 21 kilometres long. And so on such a small lake, you might actually find it 
hard to imagine that there would be a big enough storm that would actually scare some, uh, some fishermen on it. But the Sea of Galilee is, is actually only about 50 kilometres from Mount Hermon. And Mount Hermon is a large uh, 2,800 metre high mountain uh, to the north. And uh, in the winter, it's snow-capped. And the Sea of Galilee is actually below sea level. It's about 209 metres below sea level. And so when the, the hot air from the lake rises up and meets the cold air coming down from Mount Hermon, uh, it causes uh, large thunderstorms and strong, gusty winds and waves on the Sea of Galilee, which is exactly what happened on that day uh, when Jesus crossed the lake with his disciples. Storms are inevitable in life. And what this story tells us is that storms even occur when Jesus is in the boat with you. Jesus, it seems, was unaware of the storm. He was actually asleep at the back of the boat while everyone else was, was battling to keep the boat afloat. Eventually, Jesus' disciples came to him and they woke him up and they accused him of not caring if they died. He then gets up and he spoke to the wind and the waves and they immediately became still which terrified the disciples even more than the storm itself. Mark is a magnificent storyteller, and each story and incident in, in, of, uh, about the life and ministry of Jesus that he records reveals a little bit more about who Jesus is and why he's come. He doesn't just record random sort of incidents or stories just that people remember about Jesus. He has a real purpose. These stories are, are working towards his purpose of getting us to consider who Jesus is. The story of Jesus coming in the storm is one of these incidents in Jesus' earthly life that, uh, that are meant to make us ask questions about him. And so this morning, I want us to consider together who is it that calms the storm? Of course, in this story, it's Jesus who calms the storm. But what does this tell us about him? And so there are a number of reasons that I think uh, Jesus calms the storm, and I want us to think about these. And the first reason that Jesus calmed the storm and stilled the waves was when he was called upon to do so was because he actually loved or loves his disciples. The storms on the Sea of Galilee weren't weren't uncommon. And so this storm must have been very fierce because it made some burly fishermen very afraid. But what we don't expect as an outcome of this storm and it being stilled is that uh, the fear of the disciples actually increased once Jesus stands up and speaks to the wind and the waves. It's hard to know what they really expected of Jesus when they actually called him. Maybe they were just frustrated that he was asleep, and they weren't. Perhaps they were calling for another pair of hands to, uh, to bail the water, or maybe they were looking for another person to man the oars or someone to hold the mast in place so the wind wouldn't pull it down. What it seems that they were not expecting was for the wind to cease completely and the water to become dead calm and still like glass. 
Mark says that they became terrified after Jesus spoke to the wind and the waves. It seems that they were most terrified, they were more terrified by Jesus than actually they were of the storm that had enveloped them and that nearly cost them their lives. Storms, as we know, as we see in the news most recently, are immensely powerful. But these fishermen were more terrified of Jesus' power than the storm. They realised that they had no control over the storm or, and they had no ability to make it stop. But now they're actually confronted by another power. They're confronted by Jesus' power, which they realised they also had no control of. So the big difference, though, between the power of the storm and the power of Jesus is that the power of nature is indifferent and was indifferent to them. But the power of Jesus is different. You see, storms don't love, but Jesus was filled with an unquenching love for them and for people. A reason for their terror was that they had the wrong idea about God and the wrong idea about Jesus. They accused Jesus of not caring if they drowned. It seems that they assumed that if Jesus really loved them, then the storms wouldn't happen to them, especially ones that threatened their lives. Perhaps this is how you uh, view your relationship with God today as well. That if God really loves you, then he'll make the storms of life go around you or he'll make you not even encounter them at all. But as we know, climatic storms and also everyday storms of life happen all the time. They happen even when Jesus was in the boat with his disciples and they happen when Jesus is also involved or in our lives as well. Jesus doesn't get angry with the disciples uh, for, for crying out for help. In fact, it seems that from this account that they actually didn't even cry out to God for help at all or even to him. They just accused him of not caring. Perhaps this is often how we respond when we face storms of life as well. We just get angry and we accuse people and God of not caring. But God does care and he wants us to cry out to him. He wants us to call upon him and he wants us, he wants to care for us because he loves us. The Bible speaks over and over again about crying out to God in times of trouble. And God says amazing things to his people. He says, when you cry out to me, I listen. He says, he even says, I can't ignore the cry of someone who is afflicted. This means that if you're afraid or you're confused or you're buffeted by the storm that you're going through, if you're deeply distressed by life and by the predicament you find yourself in and you cry out to God, he says that he hears us. He says that he listens. God even says that he's actually close to the brokenhearted. He's close to those who admit that they are scared, they are confused, and they are hurting. 
The accusation that the disciples made against Jesus, that he doesn't care if they die, shows that they don't really know the heart of Jesus or know what God is actually doing to help them get through the storms of life. Some of you might remember when you were younger, maybe just a very young baby or a young young kid, when you were actually caught in a storm with either your mum or your dad, and how they actually protected you from the wind and the rain so you wouldn't get drenched. When it began raining, they would, they would, would have covered you over with what they were wearing. They might have even taken off their own jumper, their own coat, and wrapped it around you to protect you. They would have even drawn you close to, close to their body to comfort you. And if they were just a, if they were a distance from the car or from, from the house where you were staying, they would have picked up the pace. They might have even run. They would have done everything they could to comfort you and to protect you until you got home. Maybe you've got one of those memories like that. Now, imagine years later, you'd grown up and uh, you went to your parents one night and you accused them of not caring for you. Because, when, because you, they'd actually taken you out on a walk and you'd been caught in this storm. You, you say to them, Mum, Dad, why did you let me go through that experience of that storm? I thought you loved me. They'd be devastated if you accused them years later of not caring for, for, for you. Of, 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 yeah, for them not caring for you because they did everything they could to care for you, to cover you, to get you through that storm, get you home safely. As children, we only experience one side of a storm. We only have one experience of it. We, we have our own perspective on it. But as parents, many of you know now because you are parents, that uh, you would actually do anything, absolutely anything, to care for and protect your child and get your child safely home. When we tap into the deep inner emotions that one feels towards their children at such times, in those dangerous moments, then you're getting close to understanding and experiencing the love and care that God has for us as we go through the storms of life. In Deuteronomy one thirty one, the writer says to Israel, You saw with your own eyes what God did for you in Egypt. You saw what he did in the wilderness, how God, your God, carried you as a father carries a child, carried you the whole way until you arrived there. God doesn't promise storm avoidance. He promises to carry us through the storm like a parent carries a child. So today, if you're, experience, if you're experiencing a storm in your life or powerful forces that are battering against you, if you're encountering headwinds, perhaps your first response is to accuse God of not caring. God, you might say, if you really love me, you wouldn't let me go through this storm. But know this this morning, that God is with you in the storm, just as Jesus was with the disciples in the boat. We need to cry out to God knowing that he'll hear us and that he's actually close to us. 
I know when you do, when you actually cry out to God, the loving creator God, the, the God of, who created the universe will wrap his loving arms around you, just like a parent does a child. And God will draw you close and remind you that he won't leave you or forsake you and that he will be with you all the way home. The second reason that Jesus calms the storm and stills the waves when he's called upon is because he wants his disciples to know something about who he is. Ancient cultures had one thing in common. They saw... Uh, they all saw the sea that it was uncontrollable by, by everyone and anything except by God. Storms on lakes and on sea are often mentioned in the Bible. And when they are, it is God who is said to have ultimate control and authority over them. David in the psalm says that uh, it's the creator God who rules the sea and who has control over it. In Psalm 65, verse 7, the psalmist says that God silences the roaring of the seas, the roaring of the waves, the tumult of the peoples. Again, in Psalm 89, verse 9, the psalmist writes that God rules the raging of the sea. When, it wa- when its waves rise, you still them. The idea of God being uh, the one who controls the sea is also emphasised most clearly in the story of Jonah, who's the prophet of God who was actually swallowed by the whale because he tried to run away from God and run away from the purposes that God had for him. Jonah tried to run away from God's presence, but he was stopped by God at sea by a huge storm which threatened to break up the ship on which he was travelling. In the story, Jonah, like Jesus, is asleep in the ship while this massive storm's actually pulverizing the boat. All the sailors on board are trying to, trying to stop this uh, ship from sinking, and each of them are calling on the name of their God to try and save themselves and the boat. All of them, that is except Jonah, who is asleep below deck. Their prayers, though, to their gods achieve nothing, and in the end, Jonah has to tell the sailors that the storm would only be stopped by the creator of heaven and earth, Yahweh, the God whom he was running away from. I've been in a lot of plane flights uh, in bad storms. Uh, despite experiencing lots of these sort of rough rides, I've never actually got used to any of them. One, in fact, I remember one flight that was uh, very, very rough and the lady next to me, who I had no idea who she was, she just reached out and grabbed my hand and just clutched it until the turbulence stopped. And then once the turbulence stopped, she just let it go and carried on as if uh, everything was uh, completely normal. I remember another flight uh, from South Africa to Malawi uh, during the uh, tropical season. And it was, uh, we were flying through a tropical storm. And uh, the plane was being tossed up and down all around in the air. People were, were crying out loudly. They were praying audibly. And uh, as the plane was buffeted, as it dropped uh, and, and rose in the, uh, different air, from the different air pressure at the time, it was frightening. I was, I was terrified. I wondered whether I was actually going to die. And I'm sure everyone else did. I was actually sitting next to a Muslim woman, and she was praying, I was praying, everyone was praying. Uh, 
And, uh, and after what seemed like an eternity, the plane finally uh, got into some clean air. And everyone collectively sighed uh, just with relief, a breath of relief. And then the, uh, the Muslim lady turned to me and she told me a proverb. She said, when the big wave comes, every fisherman prays. I thought, wow, that's so true. When the disciples came to Jesus, who was sleeping at the back of the boat, they woke him up and he got up and he rebuked the wind and the waves and he said, quiet, be still. And the wind died down and it was completely calm. I'm not sure if you notice in this story, but Jesus doesn't get up and asks the storm to be stilled in anyone, anyone's name. He doesn't appeal to a higher authority, such as his Father in heaven, to stop the waves from crashing over the boat. This is what the prophets did. They spoke not in their own authority, but in the authority of the one who sent them. But here in this storm, Jesus gets up and speaks to the wind and the waves himself in his own voice and in his own authority, and he tells it to be still and quiet. The reason he's able to do this is because he has the power and authority to rule them. Because he is the all-powerful King of Kings, the one through whom all things were made, and the one whom God has placed all things under his control, including the wind and the waves. There's actually an ancient legend about a king called King Canute. Uh, And some of you might know this legend. But uh, King Canute was a king who was surrounded by by many courtiers. uh, And these courtiers were constantly praising him. Every time he walked into a room, his nobles and courtiers would uh, greet him saying, Oh, king, you are the greatest man who ever lived. Or they would say, Oh, king, there can never be anyone as mighty as you. Others would say, oh, there's nothing that you cannot do. But King Canute, he was a wise man and uh, a man of great sense, and he he grew tired of their foolish praises. And uh, one day while he was walking along the seashore uh, with his noblemen and his courtiers, praising him as usual, he decided to teach them a lesson. He turned to them and said, so you think I am the greatest man who ever lived? He asked them. To which they all cried, Oh, there's never been anyone as mighty as you. And you say that all things obey me, King Canute said, and asked them. Absolutely, they responded. Very well, he said. And then he asked for his chair to be taken to the water's edge. And then he sat down in his chair and he said to them, Look, I notice that the tide is coming in. Do you think the tide will stop coming in if I command it to stop? They did not say no. So they said in unison, Give the order, O king, and it will obey. So King Canute cried out, I command you, see, to come no further. Waves, stop rolling. Surf, stop pounding. Water, do not touch my feet. 
But the tide came in and it washed over his feet. It just kept coming and it even wet the robes of the king, it even wet the king's robes. His courtiers thought, oh, maybe the king's gone mad. And then King Canute spoke and he said, Well, my friends, it seems that I don't have as much power as you uh, have me believe. And perhaps you've learned something today, he said, that you will remember, which is that there is only one king who is all-powerful and he rules the sea and he holds the ocean in the hollow of his hands and I suggest that you reserve your praises for him. Jesus, when he says to the wind, be quiet and the waves be still, they listen. In doing this, he's actually exercising power that uh, only God has. But Jesus didn't do this by calling on the name of a higher authority than himself. He commanded the wind and the waves in his own power and in his own authority. And by stating uh, what he's stating by doing this, he's not just he's saying that he's not just one who summons power from God. What he's stating is that he is power and he is authority in his own right. This is what terrifies the disciples and the fishermen more than that storm. They know who controls the wind and the waves. They know the psalm, that the Psalms and the story of Jonah, they know all that, that all of those point and say that it was God, the creator of heaven and earth, who brings calm to storms. Now here in the dead still calm on the Sea of Galilee, the disciples are witnessing in concrete terms what the parables earlier were saying and, what, uh, and, which, and that which, um, what the parables were saying, that the king is here. The all-powerful king who is establishing his kingdom on earth as it is in heaven is here. And the same power... Uh, that brought the world into being is now seen in Jesus as he controls the wind and the waves that were made by him. Jesus is making a claim about who he is. He's claiming to be the one who has power and authority over the wind and the waves. And in the context of scripture, only one king has that power. As King Canute said, and Jesus is claiming to be that king, and I want to encourage you this morning to recognise this and accept him as the king and as the Lord of your life. The third reason that Jesus calms the storm and stills the waves when he's called upon is because he wants his disciples to place their faith in him. After wind stops, and the sea is calm, and there is just silence. Jesus then asks his disciples, have you still no faith? What sort of response is Jesus looking for here from his disciples? Faith is, is not something that you can really experience outside of a storm or when you're just seeing a storm passing by at a distance. Rather, faith is about trusting Jesus when you're in the storm 
and, and trust that he has the power and authority to help you get to the other side. On another occasion, Jesus uh, spoke to his followers about what it means to live a life uh, of trust based on him so that you can withstand the storms of life. He tells a story about two different people who build two houses. One person built their house on sand, which is not a strong foundation on which to build. And uh, this uh, person is someone who essentially chooses to ignore or reject Jesus' teachings and who lives according to their own principles and their own ideas. He then speaks of another person who built their house on a rock or on rock, which is a solid foundation. This symbolizes someone who chooses to establish their life on Jesus' teachings, on his values and on his ethics. Then he says, when the storm came, the house built on sand was washed away, but the house built on rock remained standing. Jesus doesn't say if a storm comes. He says when the storm comes. You see, climatic storms happen all of the time. We know that. We've seen that this week. If you look on the internet, you'll see that there are roughly 16 million storms, thunderstorms every year. We also know that we, that we experience many other storms in our lives as well that aren't climatic. What Jesus is saying then in, in the parable of the house built on sand and on rock is that a life in which a person trusts in Jesus is a life that will enable you to avoid being swamped being washed away and crushed by the storms of life. To have faith then is to base your life on Jesus, who is solid ground. It is to listen to his teachings and to follow them. It is to believe who Jesus says he is and to believe in what he came to do and what he did. You might say, well then, how much faith do I actually need? If the disciples were scolded for not having faith, how am I going to fare much better? Jesus says that you only need faith as big as a mustard seed, which is a really, really, really small seed indeed. And when you have faith as big as a mustard seed, you can actually do extraordinary things and experience God's help and calm in the midst of a storm. And the reason for this is that is because it's not the size of your faith that really matters, but it's actually what you place your faith in that actually counts. Let, uh, let me give you an example of what I mean by this. Let's say that uh, we go for a hike in the Grampians and we walk up to the pinnacle, do the pinnacle walk. And uh, we'll walk along one of those narrow paths which has a large drop on one side and suddenly I slip and I stumble and I roll and I roll off the edge and I tumble over and start uh, plummeting to the valley floor. As I'm going down, I instinctively uh, 
reach out with one of my hands and I, I grab a tree root that's sticking out of one of the crevices in the rock and uh, suddenly it stops my fall. Now how much faith do I need to have in that tree root for it to stop me plummeting to the floor? Do I need to be certain that it will hold my weight? No. I only need enough faith to reach out and grab it on my way down. You see, it's not the quality or quantity of my faith that will save me. It is what I've placed my faith in that counts. All that matters is the strength of the root and that I grab onto it. Jesus is the root that we need to grab onto and hold onto. He's strong enough to carry our weight. All you need is enough faith to reach out, to stretch out your hand, and the rest is up to Jesus. If we go back to the story of Jesus calming the storm, the faith that is required by the disciples is for them to remember that Jesus is with them and that he loves them and that they should ask for help and not just accuse him of not caring for them. There's one last parallel in this story of Jesus calming the storm. Uh, There's one last parallel of Jesus calming the storm in Mark with the story of Jonah that I want us to see. And in the story of Jonah, the sailors uh, get Jonah and they throw him into the sea. And they do this in order for the sea to become calm. They only do this, though, after they've done everything themselves to try and save themselves. In the story of Jesus calming the storm in Mark, Jesus doesn't ask the disciples to throw him into the lake in order to calm the storm. He actually speaks to it. In Luke's Gospel, Jesus says to his followers that that Jonah was assigned to the people of Nineveh of God's judgment and God's mercy and his ability to rescue them from the storm of judgment. He then says to the crowd that one greater than Jonah is here. And he's referring to himself. What he means by this is that Jesus gives his life away willingly, like Jonah. But he doesn't give his life away just to save Nineveh or just to save a few. But he gives his life away to save the world so that we can be saved from our brokenness of sin and shame that we experience in this life. When we're facing uh, strong headwinds, when we're facing gale force winds, immense storms in our life, Jesus says, trust me and I'll see you home. Put your faith in me and I'll stop you being swamped. I'll stop you being washed away. Jesus doesn't say, I'll get rid of the storms from your life. But he says, I'll stop you being washed away and devastated by them. And the reason that you can have confidence in me, says Jesus, today is because you've seen what I've done on the cross to rescue you from the ultimate storm of judgment. And so you can trust in me for all the smaller storms of life that you face on your journey through life. 
Let's pray together. Father God, we want to thank you uh, for Mark and his gospel that is telling us some, some really important things that we need to hear about Jesus. Not just interesting stories or stories that, uh, that tell us about someone who lived a long time ago, but about incidents that, that prompt us to consider who Jesus is. Father God, I pray that you would help us to to acknowledge that Jesus is the King of kings and the Lord of lords, that he has all power and authority. Lord, we see that he has the power to quiet the wind and to calm the waves. Lord, we know that he has this power, and I pray that you would help us to know and experience him calming our lives, to help us in the storms that we might be going through, whatever they are this morning whether they are from sickness, from relationship difficulties, from illnesses that we might have, mental illness or struggles with with work. Lord, I pray that you would help us to come to Jesus and to ask him for help, not to blame him, not to accuse him that he doesn't care, but to help you in the midst of your struggle and to help you get home. And we pray this and ask this in the strong and mighty name of Jesus. Amen.